Welcome to the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today, Joel criticizes Tim Keller. I know, I know, I think the same thing about Joel, but let's not tell him. Let's keep it to ourselves. In any case, we look at Tim Keller's article entitled A Biblical Critique of Secular Justice and Critical Theory, which you can find online by doing a search for that, but we'll put the the information in the show notes. We review his points, agreeing with many of them, but we push him a bit on the nature of biblical justice. What is justice in Scripture? How is it related to the rest of morality, or what we might call righteousness? While Keller offers great critiques, is he still falling into the same error of those he criticizes? Well, listen and find out. And if you'd like to say something bad about Joel, feel free to email us at wondering at tacticalfaith.com, or you could insult him on Twitter, and our handle is at wonderingwisdom. And in both those cases, wondering has an underscore where the A or the O would be. Wondering Toward Wisdom is a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network, but please don't hold it against them. Check out tacticalfaith.com to find more podcasts, blogs, and info on what we do, where we do it, and how can how you can get involved if you'd like. Enjoy. All right, thank you for uh, coming to listen to this podcast. Uh, welcome back. We are going to, last time we talked about, uh, we started making the transition from couple podcasts ago where we talked about the right ordering the soul in Plato's Republic, and we started talking about really just some misunderstandings about the way we use politics, uh, the way we use justice, which we'll have to get to here in this podcast. This is what we're going to really focus on this time. Really, Joel is. I'm sort of the idiot interlocutor here. But we talked about politics and how politics is really sort of a... uh, the way we talk about it is always on this national level or in terms of some some enforcement of, of laws upon us, whereas really politics just comes from the way that we the way that we live in community and how whenever we're talking about all these ideas of justice and so, so on and so forth, it should rise up out of that. And it may be of unclear why that really mattered in the conversation. Uh, you may be like, well, who cares? You're just using the word differently than we are. Well, I think today we're going to show a little bit about why that matters. And how it how it affects the way that we talk about some of the most important concepts. So, uh, and really, what we're going to use as as a touch, uh, kind of a the 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 piece off of with which we jump, and we're going to well, I'm going to do Joel's going to talk about more uh, is this piece by Tim Keller called "A Biblical Critique of Secular Justice and Critical Theory," and he published it. I'm not sure exactly when. I'm not seeing the date on the article. Uh, but it came out, you know, a couple months ago. I think a month or two ago. In light of a lot of the comments about social justice, a lot of the, a lot of the, not just comments, but a lot of the unrest related to issues of justice, uh, critical theory, how that's become a, a kind of a, a point of a lot of disagreement now in the church. Some support it, some reject it. Some people say it has nothing to do with Christianity. It's opposed to Christianity. Tim Keller provided an article that has a lot of great stuff in it where he talked about these kinds of issues. Well, Joel is going to do one better, right? (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. Yeah. So we're going to start getting into the idea of justice, and we're going to actually critique a little bit of Tim Keller's biblical critique of secular justice and critical theory. So maybe get us started. Could you give us kind of a summary of some of the salient points in Keller's article? Uh, What was he trying to do with it? So what Keller was trying to do is he was trying to look at uh, kind of the four most prevalent secular accounts of justice that that are out there today that people use when they're talking about justice that people have in mind, um, even if they don't necessarily articulate it. Um, 
usually one of these four are at work and he he uh, draws from Alistair McIntyre's book um whose justice which community or which justice Hughes community I forget which one it is but anyway um just to say there, there's got to be a grounding where where is justice grounded and he says that these four accounts are insufficient he offers a biblical account of justice or what he calls a biblical account of justice and shows how um it kind of can respond to the inadequacies of the four secular accounts um and in you know discusses them at, at length um what i want to do is i want to get through the the four accounts of justice uh kind of the insufficiencies talk about his account of biblical justice but i want to move one step farther and say why this might not be sufficient in and of itself to uh, really help us understand the heart of justice or or how justice ultimately should be used so so let, let's let's dive into the article i i'm gonna you know jump in at the halfway point and start talking about the four different views that he has and um then come back to his account of biblical justice so the the first view secular uh theory that he has in mind is what he calls libertarian justice and justice in uh, the libertarian account is basically about freedom and specifically individual freedom. So a just society is going to be one where the individual has as much freedom as he or she possibly can have. The, when we, when we think of that, you might immediately start saying, well, freedom is a good thing. Yes. But what about people who want to hurt me or people who want to make my life more miserable? not necessarily inflicting pain on me, but definitely not making my life easy. That is one of the problems with the libertarian account of justice is, you know, we, it's so focused on the individual. It doesn't really seem to have any sense of what do we do with other people? What do we, what about a, the idea of a community or a community, you know, goods of the community libertarian account is going to be insufficient to uh, address those parts. Um, but it should be said that to someone who holds a libertarian view of justice, the community, other people are not what they're most focused about. That That's not what they think justice is ultimately found. Now, we might make compromises. We might work together according to the libertarian uh, uh, view of justice. But those aren't matters of justice. Justice comes down to freedom on this account. Okay, so I don't know if you want to go too much into detail in the critiques of these. But I mean, these do these do match the political theories that appear in a lot of like. There's a libertarian party in the United States, and a lot, some a lot of Republicans align with libertarianism. There's some Democrats who align with elements of libertarianism. I, I guess I, I want to tie this in with the last conversation that we had, and that I think a lot of people might respond and say, "Well, libertarianism seems great because what it does is it gets the government out of the way so that communities can develop." Is so that is that a problem? Is that the way to think about it? Or so, so, so here we're we're already getting to where my big critique is going to be. You you said it gets government out of the way, but nowhere in my account of justice, in anything I said about justice before you brought government into it, did I talk about government? When we talk about justice, if if our move is to move to the government, we've already changed the conversation. We're now talking about legal justice. We're not talking about the whole of justice. Legal justice is a part of justice, but it cannot be the whole of justice. And and you can you can 
have differing legal accounts of justice, and you can argue about what's the best legal account of justice. Um, but if you don't have a broader picture of justice that you're that that's going to frame these legal justice uh, discussions, y- you you end up um, making the government and and the legal aspect of things, the king about what, how we should think about what does it mean to be just. Okay. That's good. So, yeah. So the idea is what we're talking about is a robust view of justice and the robust view of justice is not simply that you don't hurt me. A robust view of justice is ultimately, if we were going to sum it up, we might say it's loving your neighbor as yourself Yeah. in terms of, in terms of the human polity, in terms of, uh, the the political element in relation to God, it's that I love God and God loves me. And there's grace and ab- abundance of grace uh, that God gives me. And there's my accepting his love on my end. So that's ultimately the, I mean, there's a lot of details about how that work out and so on and so forth in, in a neighborhood and a community and so forth. But ultimately that's what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for people leaving each other alone. We're aiming for people loving one another. Right. Now, Again, the complication here is people say, well, you can't make the government do that. We're not talking about the government. <laughs> right? Exactly. Or, or the government is is what we say about government is a derivative is derivative from what we understand true politics and true justice to be. It is not a one to one connection. Right. And, so, and, and, and I'm going to say right now. There's so little discussion about the more robust sense of justice, and it's so frequently reduced to the governmental aspect of justice that as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to be telling you anything about what the government really should do as far as to promote the robust view of justice or what it shouldn't do. That that's a discussion um, that reasonable people can have and disagree on. And um, I think, I think Christians can, can discuss that. But what we got to get to is we got to start talking about this more robust sense of of justice. We got to start striving for this more robust sense of justice, because if we keep our focus only on on the government's role in this, we're never going to get to the more robust sense. So I can't I can't name this podcast. Dr. Schwartz destroys in all caps Keller's view of biblical justice by promoting this politician or some nonsense like that, right? This, Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's not going to be reducible to partisan politics. And maybe that's the way well, we should talk about it. That's the fun part. That's the it, fun part. I mean, if, if you're, um, if you find, uh, you know, Careful. Stro- strong, Careful. strong disagreement <laughs> and, uh, and fracturing relationships fun because uh, that seems to be what partisan politics has largely done anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, which that does seem quite counterintuitive to the, uh, the good of the community that we're, we're ultimately <laughs> striving for. Yeah. When, when, when personal relationships are broken because of different politics, different political positions, it seems like the governmental view of justice has undermined the community view of the community justice. It's not just a truncated section of justice. It's actually overcome and destroyed it. Right. Um, and so, okay. So, all right. So that was just an aside I want to throw in there. And this is something we got to keep in mind because even, even I 
who am following you. And in, you know, I even listened to all these podcasts while we're doing them. Uh, I, <laughs> even I, when you start talking about this, I automatically jump to government and specifically federal government. I'm just thinking, well, how's the federal government going to implement this? Um, and in some ways, what you're critiquing is that is is not that these positions are necessarily wrong. It's that the way they're talking about it is all wrong. So it, 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 at one level, I mean, because the, at least the way Te- Keller talks about it is uh, is that um, a just society is going to promote these different focuses. And so, yes, the government's going to play a role in that. But yeah. that's not the only thing that plays a role in shaping a society. And right. and so it's not just our government, but sometimes our institutions will will push for this uh, framing of things as well, or we undermine our institutions so because we frame things in this way, and which leads to a problem. So, you know, and so if we're looking to the to these things as the framing mechanisms for a just society, it's not just going to connect to the government. It is going to end up spilling over into other things. Um, which is why we need a more robust sense of justice to guide us so that we might say, okay, on this issue, this is, this is what the government should look like, but on a different issue, it should look very, you know, like one of these other accounts of justice. Okay. But that's a discussion that reasonable Christians can have and disagree with each other while still agreeing with this more robust sense of of justice because no political party is going to come anywhere close to getting the more robust sense of justice, right? They just can't. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even function that way. And so this is good. So what we really need to ground. So maybe what could really help us, which is what we're doing here is to get, is to be clear, clear about this robust sense of justice so that when we talk as, as believers, we talk as people who have a rich sense of what justice is so that when we talk about the political stuff and we disagree, we can even see we might be able, we might start to recognize maybe we should be careful here. We might start to see that the person who disagrees strong, strongly with us in terms of the way we normally talk about politics, they might actually have a couple points that yeah. are correct. They're seeing something. They're desiring this robust sense of justice, but we're all failing to quite get there. And, be, and it's partly because we keep talking in this truncated way. We're trying to mm-hmm. talk about how to make the car function correctly. And all we can talk about is whether is how how much chrome should be on the tailpipe. We need to talk <laughs> about the entire car. And so uh, and so that's I feel I feel like that's kind of OK. So that's yeah. that's kind of an aside. But I think it's an important aside because even I keep kind of flipping back into the well, how's the poli- how's the government, government, government? Robust sense of justice is much richer than this, and and you should think about it in terms of the way that we relate to the to those who are those that we come across. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we talked about libertarian view of justice. Now we're going to move to the what Keller classifies as the liberal view of justice, uh, where justice is basically about fairness. So a just society on this liberal account of justice is going to promote fairness for all. Um, now this was, this view of justice was, uh, at least popularized, if not grounded by, uh, John Rawls, which Travis made mention to last time in the last podcast, um, justice as fairness is, sounds really good, but what does fairness mean? And when, 
when Rawls starts to talk about it, he starts to kind of invoke this general sense that we all kind of know what fairness is. But when you start talking about different cultures, that, that we find that fairness doesn't necessarily translate from culture to culture. You know, fairness for all sounds really good. But where do we put the fairness? Do we put the fairness on the outcomes, you know, so that we all have, have the same outcomes? Do we have the same opportunities? Same, same, but the moment we start, we, we make everything fair, it seems like the next, the very next moment, things are going to get out of, out of whack in the equality of things. Um, and we're, and then, you know, we, we, we have this desire to constantly trying to put things back into fairness, back into equality. It, it sounds good, but it's not clear how, how you can do that, how that actually works out. Um, because at one level, it's right. We, we do want, we do want things to be fair. We, we, we want everyone to play by the same rules. We want everyone to, to, to have that sense of we want everyone to have opportunities, we want things to work out for people. We don't want anyone to be suffering unnecessarily, especially unnecessarily, but we really don't want anyone to be suffering if they don't have to all those kinds of things. But how does that work out? How do, how do we make that happen? Um, it's not going to be very clear. And really what ends up happening is we try and act like justice is uh, removed from the particular communities that it's in. Um, and so, you know, Rawls is criticized sometimes for being particularly Western in his idea of justice. And when you start translating it to other cultures outside of that, it, it, it starts to sound like nonsense. However, if you talk to a lot of people, this is going to be the definition that they're going to go with. Justice is fairness. And you can have some great conversations, um, but it's going to be a difficult one to get really clear on what does it actually mean. And the minute we get clear on it, it's probably going to uh, translate very poorly to another culture. Um, and so... The idea of promoting of a just society, promoting fairness for all, sounds great. It play it something resonates with us, but the actualization of it is very difficult to actually make things fair for all. There are brilliant things in what Rawl says, but one of the common critiques is that, like, as soon as people start developing different sets of moral values called there's a divergent like in a pluralistic society it becomes even more complicated right because uh, it's supposed to be based on the idea that we all share these basic values and we would agree to them in a position of fairness where we don't know anything about ourselves our moral values our religion our sex or what anything like that but as people develop those they may start disagreeing with what they would have agreed to if you took all that stuff away from them but i don't even know what it means to agree to something if you take all that stuff away from us right right uh, he says, you just need to understand yourself as simply a rational, self-interested creature. I don't know if that's possible. And if that were possible, I'm not sure that's very valuable to do. Right. Because because we are these these rich people that have have much more to us uh, than just that we're rational. Right. Okay. Okay. Next one. Utilitarian. Uh, for the utilitarian, or what Keller calls the utilitarian view of justice... Uh, justice is basically about happiness. So 
a just society promotes the greatest happiness for the greatest number that there's a there's an element where it's like we want society to be happy and we look at uh what makes people happy and if you read john stuart mill on this who's kind of the the founder the kind of the one who formalized this this theory building off of what jeremy bentham said but when mill talks about it he's very clear that greatest happiness isn't just a matter of um you know, low level happy, low level uh, pleasures, but that there's a quality aspect such that um, the striving to accomplish something like winning a gold medal is going to be um, m- a much greater level of happiness than than eating some Doritos. I mean, Doritos make people happy, but you know, he'd even go so far to say that the happiness of a million people eating Doritos is, is, is not going to compare to the happiness of winning a gold medal. These qualities are meaningful, but anytime we start talking about the greatest happiness for the greatest number, we start to say, you know what? If one person gets hurt by this, not the end of the world. If it promotes more happiness, um, there's a great short story called the ones who walk away from Omelas and We'll try and find the link to it so we can maybe put it in the show notes. But it, it basically the hap- the society everyone's happy, everyone feels great, no one, you know, everyone's content. I'm gonna spoil it. Spoiler alert! It's I still read it. It's worth reading. Yes. But when you reach a certain age, you find out you're taken uh, to this room where you find this this child who's malnourished, who's locked up in this cage. And you find out that somehow there was some cosmic deal made that as long as this this child was made to suffer, everyone else would be happy. And this is kind of the utilitarian mindset says, yep, that's that's a deal worth making. And the title, the ones who walk away from Omelas, are say, you know what, my happiness is not worth that suffering. I I can't live with my happiness if there's suffering involved with that. And and I mean that's that's a a utilitarian view of justice would would allow a society to to make that kind of, of deal and say that's just because the greatest happiness for the greatest number has been achieved. Right. The lo- good. Well, I mean, I think we don't want to get bogged down. Some utilitarians would push back, but I'm not sure if there's a good grounding for the pushback. Yes, that's that's the thing is uh, in in that kind of situation. So it's not that utilitarians, people who are utilitarians necessarily think that it's that utilitarianism sort of allows that possibility. Yeah. If you're going to have a coherent view, you sort of end up there. Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to get into the details, but that's yeah. we, we teach this stuff. So it's hard. Like I want to get I want to just dive into the details and, and battle about the nature of and But anyway. Yeah. Uh, but move on. Sorry. So. The last view of, of secular justice, um, Keller calls the postmodern view of justice, where justice is basically about power. Uh, that is, a just society subverts the power of dominant groups in favor of the oppressed. And um, so basically, this this is going to connect at one level with critical race theory. We're not going to get into talking about that because that is uh, far more 
complex topic than uh, we can really address in uh, just a couple minutes. But the concern that Keller raises is if justice is based on subverting power, then um, I mean, we kind of get into this weird cycle of things where once you get into power, then the just thing to do is to subvert the power. And so there's going to be this, this constant overturning of power that, and, and, and I, I should say that uh, some uh, Christian responders to Keller's view have said, he's right about if you try to use critical race theory as a matter, as an account of justice, but it's incorrect to see it as an account of justice. We're going to leave it there for now because there's, I mean, we could this. It gets big real fast. Um, yeah, may, maybe sometime we'll have a uh, we'll have a series on on this stuff, but because it would require a series. Yeah, at least right. a series. So, yeah. Um, anyway, to get to biblical to biblical justice for Keller, Keller says there's there's five aspects of it. I'm going to be quick about this. He says the five elements are community, uh, equity corporate responsibility, individual responsibility, and advocacy. So when he talks about community, he's saying that others have a claim on my wealth, so I must give voluntarily. When he says equity, he says everyone must be treated equally and with dignity. Uh, With corporate responsibility, he says I'm sometimes responsible for and involved in other people's sins. Individual responsibilities, I am finally finally responsible for all my sins, but not my outcomes. And advocacy says we, we must have special concern for the poor and the marginalized. All right. And, and, and Keller's specifically, I mean, you probably should read the article. We'll have it linked. But Keller's specifically saying all these views are supported by scriptural yes. mandates. Yes. And he uses a lot of scripture to uh, justify each of them, uh, explain each point and, you know, develop that idea. And, and you know, he thinks that biblical justice can, um, does not fall prey to any of the, the flaws that uh, the four secular accounts have, while also having the benefits that each of the four secular accounts have. Right. So, as we've already addressed, my concern is that he seems to want to play on the same level as these uh, these secular accounts, where um, the temptation is going to be, what does it mean for government? The temptation is going to be... Um, to be looking for um, al- almost treating other humans as kind of our adversaries. So, you know, the idea that others have a claim on my wealth, so I must give voluntarily. Well, when we're talking about like a healthy community, we don't think of things that others have a claim on my wealth. We think we're all in this together. And so, of course, I'm going to help out the people I'm in community with. It's it's not that we need this mandate upon us to do it. Um, you know, he's he's treating each of these elements as a mandate kind of thing, which if someone doesn't understand that, maybe a mandate is the way you, you start, but that's not the end. That's not ultimately justice. If I mean, the way that these accounts of justice talk about justice is it's kind of like, okay, justice is kind of that, what's the least I have to do to be a good person kind of thing. And granted, Keller's account of biblical justice is much richer than any of the secular accounts. I mean, in part because um, he's developing it, he's drawing, you know, he's 
he's the secular accounts are oversimplified um but at the end of the day he's he's framing this in a way that it's kind of like okay these are the things you have to do if you can check these boxes that's that's sufficient but the the problem is it's not grounded in a community and so we we can't just stop and say okay if we do all these things we're good because we have to say what does that mean in my community i mean there are going to be situations where in my community i need to take responsibility for other people so the corporate responsibility is going to be a big deal there's going to be other situations in my community where individual responsibility is going to be a big deal and if i focus on the corporate responsibility part of it i'm not being just because i'm not being invested in the in the good of my community um what does equity mean treating people equally and with dignity it sounds great but what does that mean in my community there are sometimes where treating people what what is seems equal in one community would not be equal in another it, it it it's it's this grand view of justice that is is not connected to community and right and in a lot of our debates about everything from from uh social safety nets to the way laws apply and so on and so forth so much of it so much of our conflict arises from what we might call anecdotes or anecdotal evidence of, well, this happened in this case and this happened in this case and this. And what you're saying is, yes, in, in, a, in a robust sense of justice, the communities are going to be different. And for you to try to make some sort of rule that, that applies in all circumstances and that to be your only account of justice. Right. Is ultimately going to fail because communities are different, and in in a in a community in which people know one another, we can respond to differences differences of situations because we know one another, we care for one another, and our concern arises out of out of love for one another, not out of being forced at gunpoint to do particular things, which, or at God point. At God point, yes. Ooh, that's. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, right. So, so even though we're hitting the thirty-minute mark, I really want to get to this last point because this drives home um, ultimately what what I'm getting at, and and it comes down to let's go to the Bible and see what what the Bible says about justice. And if you look in your concordance in your Bible and your English translation, you're going to see a lot of justice in the Old Testament, but not as much in the New Testament. And if you happen to look at the word righteousness, you're going to see a lot of righteousness in the New Testament, and not so much in the Old Testament. And some people want to say, well, that's because they're different. You know, they treat these things differently. Here's the little secret for those of you who don't know Greek. In Greek, justice and righteousness are the same word. When there's a when they're translated differently, it's be a translator's decision. So if you're trying to make a distinction between justice and righteousness, it's like trying to make a distinction between blue and blue. Or, Interesting. Or, or 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 any identical thing. Um it 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 it's an it doesn't make sense to do that. However, we need to think, well, what, is it, what does it mean for justice if righteousness is the same thing as justice? And what does it mean for righteousness if righteousness is the same thing as justice? And the, the problem is when we talk about justice, we're usually thinking about external action. We're talking about some sort of public action, community level action. 
But when we talk about righteousness, we're usually talking about internal motivation. We're talking about the individual. And so if if both of them are the same word, then we should probably pause and say, well, maybe justice and righteousness have to do with both the individual and community, both internal and external actions. If you look at, at what what Keller did in the article on those secular accounts, they're very, very focused on the actions. They're focused on what you do. But if what we think of as righteousness plays a role in justice, a robust sense of justice cannot just be about what we do. It has to be about the motivations within us as well. We There are lots of people who have done a lot of terrible things in the name of justice because they had the focus on the action and they didn't allow what justice was doing to change their internal motivation, their internal disposition. There's a lot of people who have had a lot of good motivations who have been really terrible people, because, but they were thought to themselves righteous because they had the right internal motivations. That's not the way to think about it. Justice at its core is about our relationship, being rightly related to those around us, to the, our, to, in our community, in, in our individual relationships. And that's complex. That's robust. That's going to look different for me than it is for you in some, in some of my relationships. And, but what does it mean to be right, re, rightly related to another person? What does it mean to be rightly related to your community? If I do, if I treat you really nicely, but deep down inside, I'm just spiting you the whole time. That's not true justice. We our, our legal accounts of justice, our governmental accounts of justice, they don't care about your motivations at the end of the day. They just care, did you do the action you were supposed to do to be able to check the box of justice? Right. And we would be scared if they were really concerned with motivation. Yes. Right. It sounds like that sounds creepy. So I'm going to have a federal agency or even a state agency, what, looking through all of my social media, looking through my texts, listening to my phone calls, trying to determine where my heart is. I don't want that. But again, that's almost an externalized view of justice where I'm trying to get the government to do what the government wasn't meant to do because governmental justice is a very small part of justice. Yeah. Uh, the biggest yeah. part of justice is righteousness, the righteousness. And it's almost, it's almost like what you're saying is that our very nature is meant to be in relationship as if our image was derived from a being who is in eternal relationship. Yes. Yes. And so therefore I, justice is a reflect justice. Righteousness, same word is derived from being reflecting God in yeah. the triune God. Yeah. And, and I'm, th this is probably as uh, partisan political as you're going to hear me get right now, but, Cornell West is famous for saying justice is what love looks like in public. And I agree with what he says, but I think a lot of people take that, including him sometimes, and want to say, okay, we have to have all these policies to, to make love in public. And not that policy, the policies play a role in that, yes, but we can't reduce love to policies. Even, 
you know, in public. We can't reduce that to policies. And so anyone who who says who quotes West and then immediately tells you you have to support this candidate because of these policies has missed the point. Love in public is going to say is, is how am I right related, not just to my individual neighbors, not just as an individual, but how am I related to my community? How does my community, the people that I live with, relate to other people? I mean, you could have a community that takes care of each other really well and then doesn't care at all about helping anyone else. That's not a healthy community. It, it, it's it's a, a complex thing, but we have to think bigger than the government because the government can't address the heart of what does it make to what does it mean to make a people just and that has to go beyond our actions to our heart the actions are important because if we say we have the right heart but the actions don't match it we probably don't have the right heart <laughs> but sometimes we have to have the actions and do the actions for the wrong reasons to help start to see the value of doing the actions to help motivate our heart one of the things that can help do that is human rights language, which is where we're going to go next time. I, I wrote my dissertation on an account of human rights, uh, and uh, there's a lot of good things about human rights, and there's a lot of really bad applications of human rights, and we'll talk about both ne- uh, in our next episode. And my dissertation had Nietzsche in it, so I focused primarily on human wrongs. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so this this is going to be real interesting because there are, uh, you know, Joel and I have, have been around each other for a long time while we were working our dissertation and so on and so forth. And I remember just being fascinated by how he presented this stuff. So I think it's going to be really interesting. There are a lot of really bad accounts or uses or approaches to the idea of human rights. But yeah, that's where we're going to go next. So quick summary. Uh, we reviewed uh, the Tim Keller article, talked about what he kind of had right and what he kind of had wrong. And it seems like, again, this, that we're trying to drive back to that same point that justice, true justice, which is the same word as righteousness, uh, is and arises out of the personal relationships that we have with one another, which are closely related to a right ordering of the soul. Uh, so loving God and loving neighbor is actually what true justice is. Now, how does that relate to all these other elements? Well, part of our problem is we focus too much on the governmental element uh, when we're talking about justice. And I think the same, a same sort of thing happens when we're talking about rights. So that's where we're going next. Uh, that's where Joel's going to take us next. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be the, the idiot interlocutor. Thanks for listening. But for now, I'm Travis. I'm Joel. Have a great day. Yeah.